and welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. And oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd be forced to endure the pain of pseudo-cholestiatoma if I had to hear that you missed this week's show. Board members are people too. One-size-fits-all rules may not make sense for your board, especially if you're embracing diversity and equity in board membership. Our guest, Judy Levine, is a longtime board coach, trainer, and consultant, and she leads Cause Effective. On Tony's Take Two, Endowment Excitement. We're sponsored by Turn Two Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. And by Fourth Dimension Technologies, IT Infra in a Box, the affordable tech solution for nonprofits. Tony.ma slash 4D, just like 3D, but they go one dimension deeper. Here is Board Members Are People Too. It's a pleasure to welcome to Nonprofit Radio, Judy Levine. She has been Executive Director of Cause Effective since 2006, and she has over 30 years' experience as a nonprofit management advisor. At Cause Effective since 1993, and as an independent consultant, she has trained and consulted with well over 1,000 nonprofits on issues in fund diversification, donor engagement, and board and organizational development. Cause Effective is at Cause Effective and at causeeffective.org. Judy, welcome to Nonprofit Radio. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. Pleasure to have you. Uh, I've had your uh, colleagues through the years, uh, Greg Cohen and Susan Comfort, who I know Susan is completely retired now, and Greg is mostly retired now. But uh, now we're, uh, they, they've been sort of stepping stones to the top. Now we have the executive director. Okay. Is that all right? Yeah. Yep, here I am. Yeah, I'm glad. Okay. Um, my my apologies. Susan Comfort is someone else. Susan Gabriel is who used to be at yes. uh, at Cause Effective. Long okay. time. Honored Susan member. Gabriel and and Greg Cohen. So um, you're concerned about uh, equity on boards, uh, but at the same time, you know we're trying to maintain standards, but we want we want a diverse board. Standards don't always apply to all the all the different cultures we're inviting in. Help me uh, set this up. Well, there's always a fear of the difference, the different, and uh, then also a fear of um, acting inappropriately around the different. And those two fears um, sometimes stop a board from real honest. Um, an accurate reflection on what's at the table and what's the most appropriate way to support the organization's mission. Um, and especially, you know, ever since the racial reckoning of 2020 and the understanding on nonprofits' parts that they needed to reckon with their own DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, my sense is that, 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 hap- that, that reckoning has happened on a staff level at a different different pace than it's happened on the board level. And some of that has to do with fundraising and people's 
fear that if they rock the boat, they will not have the fundraising return that they have now. Um, and I'm here to say two things. One is that there is plenty of uh, salaried capacity in this country for people of color, although yeah, not but, as much uh, yeah. not as much wealth accumulation, certainly yeah. generational wealth accumulation, and that's a very real factor. Um, so to think that you need to diversify your board, that you need to reach into the client base, which may be true, but is not the only way to diversify your board from the, uh, the group it has always been. Okay. Are those that's, the two? That's what, that's number one. That's one. Yeah. The other is that, yes, you may have to rethink the one size fits all package. And that's been a mantra in our boards is that everybody has to hold to the same standard and that we know that everybody is the same standard and we don't want double standards or triple standards. Um, I'm here to re help people rethink the idea of universal standards versus standards that make sense for where that person is coming from and what they can, what they can actually bring to the table if they do their best. Okay. Let's take the first of those because there's there's an imp there's an assumption there that people of color are not going to be able to meet our fundraising expectation. So we're going to have to we're going to have to reduce our board giving to invite folks of color in. But that that that's that's just unfair and uh, unfair and racist. Uh, you're, you're not if you're not finding these folks, then you're not looking hard enough. For people who do have the means uh, to to meet your to meet your your board expectation, your, your board fundraising expectation, and or you're not looking um, with the right messengers, and or you're not understanding why your cause is going to be of deep personal interest, just to a person of color. Um, all of those factors have to be there. Um, you can't. You don't ask anybody on the board. You don't ask somebody on the board. Uh, of an animal shelter if they have no connection to animals. They don't care about animals. You've got to look. Uh, so in the same way, you have to understand, let's put it this way. There are there are legacy charities, um, the Urban League, um, you know, very that, that there are huge fundraising machines that are people of color led. Um, there's a sense of the ownership that this is ours. Yeah. That may not be in your board as currently constituted that needs to be opened up. Yeah, that's a that's a holding on to that's a holding on to power and structures and not allowing someone who looks different comes from a different background into our uh, our playground. Well, and it's more than not allowing. It's actually, um, it's more than just a not doing. It's something that you have to actually do, do, um, is to understand um, how, who makes decisions. Is there an in-group and an out-group? Is there a biding one's time uh, ethos? 
um, which doesn't work well when you invite people of color on and then they have to buy their time and they're the only ones that are biding their time. And yes, it might be historical that everybody else made their time years <laughs> back, but people are going to lose, lose, you know, they lose patience. So it means that you have to do much more rapid um, leadership development, onboarding, and power sharing than your board may be used to. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I, I don't want to derail what what uh, what we were intending to talk about, but I just. I think I, it's I, all of a piece. Want, I mean, I think it's important yeah. to point out the, the the implicit bias that goes along with this assuming that you're going to have to lower your standards. Basically, just assuming you got to lower your standards if you left people of color in. And I, um, I think it's all of a piece, and it's about who's that's gr gross and erroneous. And who's a guest at the table? And board members, all board members, need to be owners, not guests. Yeah, yeah, right, and yes, and not treated like guests. All right, all right. So one of the things you said is that um, one size fits all is not uh, is not going to be the right model. No, necessarily. So what what's what's an alternative? So if we've got a if we've got a, a fifteen thousand dollar annual give get board requirement, uh, and and two thirds of it have to has to be from your personal well your your personal asset. So ten thousand dollars from you, and if you want to either give or get the other five thousand, you have an option there. But you have to give at least ten thousand dollars a year. Right. Well, one of the uh, things that I want to talk about that took me you know frankly you know a while to understand is the role of generational wealth transfer in people's capacity to have disposable income. So that, um, you know, uh, oftentimes white people come from, they're, they're not necessarily coming from money, money, but they're coming from a position of um, comfort. Um, and so they're not necessarily carrying family members. They're not, they're not pulling their family out of poverty along with them. Oftentimes, certainly black people who are in a um, may make the same salary, but they are carrying people in their family. And so you can't say, oh, this person makes X salary and that person makes X salary. Therefore, they have the same capacity. You only find this out by talking to and listening to someone. And I, a universal give assumes universal capacity. And yes, we say, okay, this give us a floor and everybody should go over the floor. We all know that people rise to the floor. So the question is, is there a way to help this person get and to change that relationship? And or is there, what are we, what are what we are after on the board, someone who is using their connections for the, to the extent, for the organization's behalf? And what comes in is relative to those connections and that capacity. It's time for a break. Turn to communications, media relationships. You know how important relationships are in all aspects of your work and, and personal side too. I mean, past couple of weeks I've been talking about fundraising, but <laughs> relationships are everywhere. That applies to the media as well. You want to get heard in the media? You want to be that thought leader that you know that you are, that, that you know that other folks ought to know you as. It's going to happen through media relationships. 
so that when you are calling, the journalists are so much more responsive to picking up the phone. That applies to journalists, podcasters, bloggers, conference leaders, wherever you need to be known, right? Turn to can help you build those relationships so that you get heard in the media outlets when you need to be. They'll help you with the relationships. They know what to do. Turn to communications. Your story is their mission. Turn hyphen to dot co. Now back to board members are people too. All right. So we need to, we need to get to know our board members. Uh, and you know, uh, I understand your point. You know, some folks may very well be supporting, helping other family members, not necessarily out of poverty, but, uh, I mean, could be, but not necessarily out of poverty, but they're, they're, they're helping other family members that aren't doing as well as they are. And, they're and, and a lot of that can, a lot of that can very well come from the lack of intergenerational wealth through the generations that, that uh, folks of color got screwed out of essentially. Um, all right. So, all right. And I still want to go back to the fact that, you know, this, we, I don't want to operate under the assumption that you have to lower standards just to invite I folks of color. I don't think I'm talking about lowering standards. Onto, onto, your, onto your board. Well, lowering fundraising, fundraising standards. Uh, but it's not lowering. It's broadening. Right. Well, I don't want to work up. Right, I don't want to operate on the assumption that you, that you have to lower standards. Right. I'm, I'm trying to defeat that assumption. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So what about the, uh, what about the pushback that, well, before we get to the pushback that you might hear from your white board members about uh, we've been doing this for so long and it's been fine for us, so why can't it be okay for them? Before we get to that, what might what might some of this look like? What what kinds of what kinds of uh, activities can can folks do if they if they can't meet the if they're not able to meet the the give get requirement? Are you are you suggesting rewriting? Do we rewrite the the expectations for all board members or? I'm suggesting using that as a starting point, not an ending okay. point. Okay. So that's a starting point with each board member um, about their how it relates to them, to their assets, to their relationships, to their circumstances, um, and wh- which areas they can go above and beyond in and which areas they need to, to uh, pull back from. And everybody's right. going to have a different answer to that those equations. The fact is that there are, you know, I've been on boards with very mixed income levels and the people who had the higher incomes understood that in order to have a board with mixed demographics, they had to do more weight pulling in the fund gathering. Mm-hmm. That that was part of the value system was that it was not, if they wanted everybody equal, they would have everybody just like them. And if the value system was to have different voices at the table, then the value system had to be that some people did more direct fundraising and direct giving, and some people did more outreach, and some people did more political converse, you know, conversations, et cetera. Okay. I want to make sure we want to be having these conversations with uh, these individual conversations with potential board members, right? We're, mm-hmm. uh, before we're in the recruitment process, before we invite someone to be on a board or 
before we accept someone to be on a board, we want to be investigating these things so that that they know what to expect, so that they know what the expectations are and we know what we can expect. I, I, you know, having done a lot of board recruitment uh, with nonprofits through the years, I would say two things. I I think you have a cut before as you're recruiting, you say, here's the kinds of things that board members are expected to do. Um, And, um, you know, how do these rest with you? Um, and you'll find out some of them are scary. Some of them are, you know, oh, I couldn't do that. Some of them are like, oh, this I could definitely do that. I don't know that I would pin someone down to an exact um, prescription. You try to get their temperature. Yeah. But, you know, it's a courtship process. And so people go above and beyond what they thought they could do when they're really excited by the mission and they're given the tools they didn't know they needed. So uh, in the courtship process, I would put this menu out and say, you know, how does this look to you? How could you see yourself in this? Um, but I wouldn't take that as the last word because board service should be, people should be going into places that are not comfortable for them. Right. And that's partly the role of the board chair is to, is to live that by example, is not just to be good at what they do. But to live by example, I tried this and this was, you know, I thought I was going to throw up, but actually I didn't throw up. I did really well at it. And then I tried that and I did throw up. So I, you know, somebody else will do that one from now on. Um, And so I want to be honest with people, but I don't want to pin them down to something they're not being ready ready to be pinned to. Okay. But you you make a good point about board board service being uh, a challenge. You do want you do want folks. I mean, you're 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 leveraging the fact that they love your mission, your work, your values. They stand beside you with that in, in those ways. Um, you want them to to be challenged. You want board service to be meaningful. Yes, and you you want them to learn something from it because that's part of what they get out of it. This is not just a happy club, but that they're gaining a different kind of sense of themselves of what they're capable of. Interesting. Different sense of themselves, what they're capable of. Yes. Challenge. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. Go beyond comfort zone. Try this and see whether you throw up or not. Right. Kind of. But I mean, you need to try it with a lot of um, support and, and with the tools. Yeah. 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 You don't throw somebody into the lion's okay. den. All right. What about the, uh, the pushback from whiteboard members that, you know, we've, we've been, this has always worked well for us. We've always had this very rigid, uh, uniform giving. Everybody's given the same uh, through these years. What, why, why do we have to now? What, what, what's the advantage? Why, why should we change now? Okay, so I need to be polite here. Um, no, you can be firm. You can be firm and realistic. You don't I have to do be polite. a lot of counseling of white folks. And I think it's part of our um, job as white folks to help other white folks to a different place. All right, so... Don't be don't be soft on nonprofit radio okay. listeners. I'll 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 admonish you. Don't do that. Okay. Um, it's 2022. We know stuff now as white folks that we didn't that we were able to be blind to for hundreds of years. Sort of had the comfort of being blind to. Yes, and um, we don't anymore. So there's a moral obligation to act differently. Our nonprofit is 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 here for the public good. And it, it, we believe that to do that, we need to reflect the full spectrum of voices 
that is that public and, and or should be concerned with our mission. That means that we need to have a table that is really welcoming to all those voices, that they're not just here, but they're actually, we're going to share the ownership of this mission. And that does mean that we need to pull apart the stuff that we're comfortable with and that's unspoken because it's going to be a mystery to somebody who doesn't come from our background and who isn't already part of this. And what's the advantage to the organization? Uh, let's make it explicit uh, uh, well, to doing this. We are living our values in our governance. And if we're not, that's pretty um, compromised. Um, so one is congruence with organizational values and what we're here to try and carry out. Um, the second is sort of more robust conversation and decision-making because there are different points of view at the table because it's not people with, un it's not an entire crew with the same assumptions. And frankly, you'll have more interesting conversations and it'll be a more interesting club to be part of. That's not why to do it, but it's a side product. It's time for a break. Fourth Dimension Technologies. They've got the free offer going. It's exclusively for nonprofit radio listeners. It's complimentary. That's why it's free. 24-7 monitoring of your IT assets. And they will do this for three months. They'll look over your servers, your network, and your cloud performance. They'll monitor your backup performance all 24-7. If there are any issues, they will let you know right away. Plus, at the end, you get a comprehensive report. And they're also going to include a few surprise offers as well. They're going to take good care of you. It's all complimentary. It's for three months. It's for the first 10 listeners. It's on the listener landing page, tony.ma slash 4D. Just like 3D, but they go one dimension deeper. Grab the offer. Let's return to board members are people too. All right. So that sort of answers uh, dumbing down. You know, we're not. We're not. We're broadening. Yeah. We're broadening and there are advantages. What would you say to folks that are the advantages to them personally? Learning, learning, learning about uh, learning from folks with different backgrounds. There is an incredible gift to be had to be able to listen. I'll say this personally as a white person working in a diverse environment. Um, it is humbling and awe-inspiring to be in a place where you can really hear from people who didn't, who weren't just like you and have them change your mind and open your mind. That's what you gain by being in a diverse environment. And not only will you make de better decisions for your nonprofit, but you will learn more and be a kinder person who in and of itself understands the way you interact with the rest of the world in a different way. Folks, if you want to see a diverse team, then uh, pause the podcast and go to causeeffective.org. Go to their team 
the Steam or staff page and look at the look at the pictures of the the the, the, the staff at causeeffective.org. And then of course come right back and press play again. Don't 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 start browsing, you know, don't go to Amazon.com too. Just look at causeeffective.org and you'll see uh, an enormously diverse team there. Um, all right. So, you know, it's, anything more you want to say about wh why this is worth it for the organization or for the people? Um, we live in a diverse world. I mean, you know, no matter where you are, um, we, we live in a world, in a country, certainly, and in a world with lots of different kinds of people from lots of different kinds of backgrounds that bring a lot of different things to the table and that are really interesting to interact with. Um, what better way to interact with them than in the support of a cause you love? So that there's, you know, you're all putting your, you know, shoulder to the wheel together. Um, it, it gives you your life spice to be doing this in a way that's not homogeneous. And your organization itself will be stronger. Yeah, in the ways you just you talked about a few minutes ago. Yeah. You have some ideas about uh, how to do this uh, it, it sort of efficiently shave shave some some time off. What? Well, what, one of the things that I, you the know process might take. We all know that executive directors, well-run boards, executive directors are behind them at kind of every step of the way. Um, but in boards that really take off, there's board to board conversation that the executive director kind of monitors, but is not part of every conversation. And so, and when that happens, it's because there are, there's not just a board cheerleader, but there are mini leaders. So there are leaders of governance, or there might be a leader of onboarding, or there might be a leader of, uh, you know, there, there's different ways to chunk it up so that it, there's leadership, at, at which leadership leads to ownership. Um and so part of your job as the board liaison, whether uh, is to understand what that web of relationships could, is and could be. And then to do, in essence, what we call, you know, HR staff development, but with board members. So you ask them to take on certain things and then your job is, is being a coach, not being a doer. We're talking about the, the CEO executive director now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the development director also. Development and and working closely with the board chair. I mean, it, it, it's going to help enormously to have a, a a culturally sensitive board chair. Yes, um, I send board members, especially white board members, to trainings, and not just what is DEI, but to real immersive, you know, one or two day trainings about the how this culture rests on has rested on um, racial injustice. Um, I say, if you're going to be part of this organization, you need to have this basic understanding. Um, and we need you to do this two day training and, and here's, you know, how to pay for it. Um, because there's a basic understanding of that, that really shifts in those kinds of very immersive trainings. I'm not talking about a two hour, what HR does at a large corporation. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've just said, these are our values and you have to really get it if you're going to be part of this team. I would certainly do that with board leadership, that this is a journey and this is part of the, and, and we want the board to be part of this journey and we need the board leadership to start it out. And if the board chair won't do that, you do a succession plan. It's not like you kick them out right away, but ultimately your board's not going to progress until you have somebody at the head of it for whom this is the air they breathe. Mm. Now you can have a chair and a president. You can have an honorary chair and an honor. You know, there are all kinds of ways to move people to the side that don't, you know, kick them off this planet. But ultimately, you need to have someone who does, who, who breathes this stuff and who, who you don't have to explain why this matters. And then it's deeper than going to a training to understand what implicit, that, that exi- implicit bias exists. Right. One of those two-hour trainings. Okay. Say a little more about joyful board service, what we, what we can aspire to. I, I, you know, I get this so often where board members, the boards that we're working on, they're, they're niggling. They're going after, you know, do I have, you know, is it 2,000 or 3,000? What do I have to do? That's the question. As to what, as to, you know, as like, I'd like to get away with as little as I can. Um, and, and it's an imposition on me. Mm. As opposed to, I will do everything I can. I may not be successful at everything, but I'm going to give it a shot because this mission matters so much. And if I can help it, God willing, I'm going to. And there's when people are at the table with that attitude, there can be a joy at both delivering yourself and seeing other people deliver and celebrating that. Um, and you can build that in. You can build in celebrations. You can build in, you know, balloons for somebody when they hit a certain mark. Um, you have to build in not just um, the actual dollars, but you can build in, they made thank you calls and they never talked to anybody before. You know, there's all kinds of ways to build in a sense that I can do, be part of the fundraising process, which then builds more courage for the next step. But it doesn't happen unless you think about it. Celebrating small successes. That, that's, that's a terrific idea. Yeah. And you want to build in this, this, sense of for, for every board member so that they are looking for ways to celebrate each other. Hmm. So it doesn't just come from you, the CEO, it doesn't just come from the board chair, but that they're trying to help each other up that ladder. It's time for Tony's take two. I'll be on a panel called endowment excitement fundraising and management. I'm fundraising. Uh, two smart women are the management. And that's, that's the key about, about panels. You want to be the sole person on your topic. That way, you're at no risk. You can't ever be called out for something stupid that you say because uh, the, the other people, the other panelists don't know. Right. So, I mean, I don't know endowment management. I mean, I know a little bit about spending rates and 
uh, three-year moving average, you know, et cetera. Uh, prudent investor rule, but but I, I know very little compared to them about endowment management. And they probably know even little uh, less about planned giving than I know about endowment management. So everybody stays in their lane. You don't have to worry. That's the, if you're ever invited to be on a panel, be the sole expert in your area. All right. So, um, that was, a, uh, that was a bit of a digression, but so the panel is, uh, endowment excitement, fundraising and management. It's on August 25th at noon Eastern time, graciously hosted by NX Unite. So I'm grateful to them. Thank you. To register, you go to nxunite.com. That's like November X-Ray Unite.com and click on webinars and panels. There's your registration. That is Tony's take two. We've got Buku, but loads more time for board members are people too with Judy Levine. You like to see board members uh, socializing outside? I mean, I, I can presume your answer, but I want you to say it. Well, uh, yes, socializing outside outside the the, the form the board meetings. I, I I do, but I also am realistic. Um, I don't think it's necessary for them to be personal friends. In fact, I've been on boards with people who are personal friends, and it's tough um, because then they kind of talk about things outside, and there is like it becomes factions. And you certainly don't want uh, relatives on the same board. That I'll tell you right now. Okay. Um, not just married, but brother and sister. Are we playing the you know, the childhoods, you know, yeah. I've seen it all. No, I can see in your face and it sounds like you've been there. Yes. Um, Siblings. But okay. I don't, I think that people have to like each other. Yeah. And I think you need to have some social places, you know, it's been hard. Right. Don't they need to get to know each other outside the board? Um, but that's different than. Um, or outside their board service. I mean, right. maybe not, well, maybe not necessarily. To me, that's part of their board service. Okay. Um, that part of their board service is understand, you know, it's team building. And the organization can facilitate that, right? I mean, can we have, can we host drinks or dinner after a meeting? Yeah. Um, it's, that's one of the things that's been much harder in Zoom. Um, sure. yeah. My board, you know, Cause Effective itself is a nonprofit and they had a board dinner once a year, like they used to have at my house. And one year I had the flu and they had it at my house anyway. And I just went to bed and they, they stayed up till like midnight and cleaned up after themselves and left. Um, that we miss. So we have a game night now once a, once a year on Zoom We're, because it's once a year, everybody comes and they do all kinds of like three, two choose and a lie and all kinds of stuff, but it's not quite the same. Um, we did have an outdoor picnic this summer and about half the board came. Um, yeah, it's hard. You know, that's the hard thing is now getting people out of their shell because we're all used to now doing everything by Zoom or going to work and coming home and, you know, scurrying home. What Zoom has that I haven't quite figured out is that time before meetings, that time in the middle of meetings, you know, those, the times at the after meetings, those kinds of times when people would talk to each other about their kids. Yeah. That kind of, right. Building that in, um, what we've done some of is in the, you have to do it in the middle of the meeting because people run out at the end of the meeting and they won't come early. No matter what they say, you know, two board members will come early. Right. Um, 
But if you break into smaller groups in the middle of the meeting, even if it's only dyads or triads, and give them something to discuss. Um, you know, one of my provocative questions is, how does your birth order affect um, the way you take on leadership? Which gets into all kinds of personal background. <laughs> it assumes strength and it gets people talking to each other. So having a section like that in the middle of each board meeting can help people to start to bond and then obviously changing the, you know, changing the groups up. Yeah. yeah. And making that group uh, a hint, make those small groupings deliberate. Don't just leave it to the Zoom universe to deliver the development. Yeah, you can either make them random or you can assign people to be I'm with with other with other people and the assigning is is much better. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that in some of my trainings. Um all right, what else? What else you want to touch on around this uh, this equity and equity in boards and and inviting folks in and joyful board service? Um, welcoming the notion of enlightened self-interest, which I think uh, it has to do with understanding the uh, the meaning of your cause to people who are not directly affected by it. So, you know, when we're teaching fundraising, we'll say, um, okay, you don't fundraise just for the people who have direct interest to your cause because that's your clients. And if you could raise your money from them, that would be earned income and you wouldn't be a nonprofit. But you can't raise money from people who have no connection to your cause because it doesn't make sense to them. Why are they going to light on it? And that's the same thing with board members. You can't ask board members to fundraise if you, they don't feel connection to your cause and or to audiences that don't feel connection. But you have to find the enlightened self-interest, which is myself as a member of the city, this neighborhood, this grouping that I care about children having a head start. That's why you'll often find like a mom's group in Westchester, a suburb of New York that's fairly wealthy, most of it, um, will take on fundraising for a program in the quote-unquote inner city because they understand the meaning of this work for children, even though it's not their children. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because that's where the ownership comes in, the sense that it's on to, it's up to me to make a difference for this and that this matters to me, even though it's not my personal experience. And I think that's group conversations. It's conversation in the courtship process, and then it's group conversations at the board level to keep that fresh. And it has to be deliberate because it's board service devolves into finance monitoring. Oh, um, yeah, if it's right, if it's allowed to. Discussions about why the mission matters. Mm. To whom does the mission matter beyond just the direct recipients? are very inspiring and they give your board members personal uh you know nurturing and the tools to go out to their contacts with different kinds of language and you will often find you know i'm looking for areas in which different people can be experts not just the people who have a lot of board experience 
or who are, you know, long-time experienced fundraisers, but that people with different points of view can have the position of being an expert. Hmm. And this is where you will find points of view that your classic cabal has not thought of. Conversations. Yes. I love how you pause and, and think through and then make your next point. Uh, I've just in talking to you for uh, 40 minutes, whatever, 35 minutes, I've, I've learned. All right. Give her a couple, give her a couple beats because uh, she's got, she may very well have more to say. I love your, the way you reflect. I, uh, I, I don't have that gift. I tend to be more, <laughs> more impulsive and I, I, I spew everything out in one shot. Well, that's why you're on the radio and I'm not. Interesting. Normally. Um, right. I, you know, I, I want to, having served on a board. Um, You've been on multiple boards. Not that many because I take it really seriously. Yeah, but uh, it's been more than one. Yeah. Um, and then being a, an executive director myself and um, being a consultant to boards gives me humility about about the possibility of board service. Um, and I feel like uh, people who are only on staff have expectations uh, and anger when board members don't meet their expectations. Whereas I'm trying to say it's human nature to triage. The kind of people who will agree to be on a board are often fully committed. I don't want to say overcommitted because you commit to what you commit to. And it makes sense for them to do what they have to do and not more. Because there's always something else calling on their time, let alone, you know, the idea that they might want to play golf or read a book. If you do that, if you understand it, that that's rational human behavior, then you don't get as angry at people. You manage them. That everyone's going to triage, that they're going to, they're going to assess their priorities. And they're going to and they're going to act accordingly. And it's up to you to have a dialogue about that. It's not that you you know, there's something wrong with letting people slide or something, but it's um, it's understanding and helping them understand how to fit in with all the different priorities of their life. Right. And where does this mission fit in in your among your priorities? Right. You know, it's why I, I um, when when I when groups do uh, board member um contracts or whatever they call them, um, I suggest that there actually be calendars in there so that you somebody can say to you, I can't do that in June because my twins are graduating high school. In which case we say, you know what, we're going to take you off of that and we're going to take you off of May. So that you can have a very, because they're not going to do it anyway. Yeah. And then yeah. they just stop returning your phone calls. Right. Or they don't respond to emails. So having respect for all the different pulls rationally on board members' time and life and energy. Yeah. And then helping them understand how to fit this in in a way that makes sense. All right. Let's uh, give you, I want to give you a chance to uh, talk about Cause Effective because it is a nonprofit. It's a, it's a consultancy for nonprofits. They're advisors, consultants. What what uh, what what's the the breadth of the work and how do, how do you work with with your client nonprofits? Well, I, you know, I'd say for, we are forty this year. 
We are about to celebrate our 40th anniversary. Congratulations, four decades. Um, And I'd say that the common theme throughout has been changing how organizations are resourced, Um, changing the balance of money and therefore power in the sector. Um, And it's both increasing it and increasing it so that it's not just that the most well-resourced nonprofits get more resources, but that it's nonprofits that are located in disenfranchised communities and the people who work there and um, uh, and volunteer there are able to raise the money they need to further those causes um, and to govern themselves. Because to me, governance is integrally a part. It's more than just raising money. But if you don't have a, a, a governance structure that works, you're not going to have a fundraising structure that works on the voluntary level. Um, and that's where you get to organizations where the staff fundraises, but the board doesn't and the volunteers don't. Um, so we have, we work, we do a lot of cohort work where we're looking at say, development directors of color and help um, working with them over a six month period of time um, in a particular program that we have to help them really address um, the barriers to their be- being successful and not only to talk about it, but to actually address it. Um, we so we do a lot of individual coping with, with, with um, executive directors who maybe haven't come up through fundraising, and but you know you need to do it if the ED is not part of the fundraising structure, the organization is only going to get so far. Yeah. Um, and board members, a lot of board consulting, um, especially now with boards that know they need to diversify and don't really like they know they need the composition, but they don't un- they don't necessarily know that they need to act differently to have different people in different seats. Um, we do everything from, you know, eight hour retreats We're on zoom, maybe six hours uh, to year long coaching engagements to what we call deep dive tra- um, transformation, which is a lot of times people come to us and say, well, my board won't fundraise. And we get in there and we start talking to board members and we find out there's all kinds of reasons. It's not just that they don't know how to ask for money. But it's that there's not financial transparency. There's not um, a real p- uh, partnership between staff and board. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a peer-to-peer accountability on the board. Um, there's a inner group of three board members who do everything and everybody else slides. Um, you know, there's all kinds of reasons that we will help. We will actually go in and help address. We say that that's a symptom my board won't fundraise. And there are, you know, many, many causes of that. And we will, we, one of the things we're known for is that we will go in and address the cause. We're not just going to do the tactics. Um, we also do a lot of fundraising consulting for groups that um, have had a lot of government support or a lot of foundation support and know they need to diversify and they don't necessarily have, you know, a Lincoln Center board. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is very possible that people around the country or world will care about what they do and will back it up and want to make it happen. If they, you know, for one of the things I say is that in fundraising, the one thing that's that's um, limited is time. There's only 24 hours and maybe one second or maybe now two seconds in a day. And so you need to make choices that are smart with how you spend your fundraising time. Money is not the limiting factor, but time is. And so we'll help groups really understand what are the likely avenues and how to structure the resources they have to reach those. Did days get longer? What's one or two seconds? I think- Oh, it actually, they did make a ruling and there's like, they added a second or something. Oh, I didn't hear about that. I, well, I've been squandering the, my, my two seconds a day. Well, for how long have we had this? How long have we had these longer days? Six months. Go look it up. Six months? 
Yeah. I don't know how many seconds that is. I can't do the math that fast. No, but the six months is uh, 180 days times two seconds, 360 seconds. That's a good six minutes I've, 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 I squandered. All right. I'm going to try to get it back right now by cutting you off. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Thank you for explaining. And uh, thanks for a frank conversation. Yeah, we don't, you know. For our for nonprofit radio uh, white listeners, uh, we're not we're not uh, we're not going easy. I mean, you have to have you have to have honest conversations. So thank you. Yeah, I I uh, think this has been some of the, you know I've been in this field for thirty years, and this has been some of the most rewarding and deep work. Um, it's not surface. It really addresses you know I had to go back to everything I assumed from my childhood on, and understand that there's di- there are different realities. And that um, it's not that I can go back and change it, but I can change my behavior going forward so that I further a different kind of future. Hmm. She's Judy Levine. And she's the executive director of Cause Effective. Uh, you should have already been at their website because you would have seen their diverse team when we uh, when I suggested take a pause and then you came back. But if you haven't been there or if you don't remember where it is, it's at causeeffective.org, and they're also at causeeffective. And Judy Levine, thank you very much. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. It's great to have this kind of conversation. Pleasure. Next week, back to our 22 NTC coverage, accounting for nonprofit leaders. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you. Find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications. PR and content for nonprofits, your story is their mission. Turn to.co and by Fourth Dimension Technologies. IT Infra in a Box, the affordable tech solution for nonprofits. But they also got the, the special offer going on, the free offer. Grab it. It's all at the listener landing page, Tony.ma slash 4D. Just like 3D, but they go one dimension deeper. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>